What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode five of Playing the Field. I am your host, Kurt Field. And first and foremost, I got to get this out of the way. It has been now five weeks of doing this podcast. I can't believe that we are over a month into doing this. Um, This quarantine little hobby became something that I've become really passionate about. And I can't believe how many of you guys have listened week after week after week. You know, the first episode, thousands and thousands of people listened that. I was shocked. I did. I never expected anything like that. I didn't come on here to do this for money or for for subscriptions or anything like that. It was just something to pass the time during quarantine and to tell stories. And that's all it was ever, you know, going to be. And that's what it's going to continue to be. But the fact that people continued to listen week after week, and you know, it's not just like twenty five people. It's like you know, there are thousands of listens, and I appreciate that more than you ever know. Um, and I think that the guests who have come on the show already appreciate it too. They have all these awesome stories to tell. And the fact that you guys are listening, uh, is amazing to me this week. We have another amazing guest, somebody who I have had the distinct privilege of knowing very well over the last couple of years. Uh, this person has come onto the sports scene here in Connecticut. And in my opinion, just kind of taken over. Uh, this week's guest is Sean McFarland from the Hartford Current, who is a sports journalist there. And Sean does a lot of stuff covering high school teams throughout the state, which is not an easy thing to do. You know, there are a lot of high schools in the state of Connecticut. And, you know, even though the Hartford Current doesn't cover all of them, they do a ton of work. And Sean has been so amazing for both athletes and parents and coaches who want to read these awesome articles and read game recaps and read about, uh, you know, spotlight articles on athletes. And Sean's been amazing. So I'm thrilled that he's going to come on today and uh, we're just going to get right into it here. So check out this interview with uh, my man, Sean McFarland. All right, guys, so I'm being joined right now by the one and only Sean McFarland. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Sean. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. great time. Absolutely. So we were talking a little bit, um, and you are a Springfield College graduate. You graduated just like me in the class of 2018. Yep. Oddly enough, we both studied journalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sean just decided to actually do something with it. (laughs) I did not. Um, But take our listeners uh, through a little bit how you decided on journalism and why you decided on Springfield College and kind of about your journey through that. Yeah, sure. So it's funny, like it's the most modern story possible. The way I started journalism was I just got on Twitter when I was like a freshman in high school and I loved tweeting about sports mm-hmm. and enough people were like, you should write. And I was like, no, are you kidding me? Like, I hate writing. I never want to write. Why would I ever want to do that? I had teachers tell me like, you should get into writing. And I was like, that's an awful idea. Why would you even say that? And then eventually I got into blogging senior year. I wrote for a few blogs, kind of got my feet wet. And I was like, okay, like, I, I kind of like this. I'm into this. Um, the summer after my senior year of high school, I wrote unpaid for my local town newspaper, the Kingston Reporter. And I was like, okay, like, I think I'm, I think I'm decent at this. Yep. I think I enjoy this. Um, let's kind of see where this goes. Mm-hmm. So in terms of college, um, I was not a good student in high school, terrible student. So I was fully committed to being like, well, you know, community colleges, you know, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy with that. Yep. And I toured a few colleges, Springfield included. Um, I wanted to go for sports management. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work in a front office of a baseball team or a basketball team. Yes, sir. Um, that was like my full plan heading in. Had been for years, too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I found Springfield. I applied. I got in. Beautiful campus. Like I loved it from the minute I got there. Um, yeah, so that was campus great. is nice. Oh yeah, it's, it, really, it's nice. really. I mean, right by the water, the buildings are beautiful. It's, yep. it's a great spot. So it won me over on the tour right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get to campus, you know, as a freshman, and I'm about a week into classes as a sports management major. And I kind of realize, like a lot of kids do when they get to college and, and get into their major, that like it's not what they think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I kind of realize like, oh, like. This is more if you want to like you know work in high school or college sports or, or work in the recreation department and that's yep. a, and those are great jobs. Yep. That was not what I wanted to do. Sure. So I was like, okay, like I clearly love writing. I clearly love journalism. I have the experience. Mm-hmm. Let me just see what happens. So one day I emailed the head of the communications and journalism department, Marty Dobrow, going in his office. Within an hour, he had me transferred into the major. I had a wow. class later that day. I wow. walked in. I called my dad and I was like. Hey, I'm a journalism major now. And he was like, I knew this was going to happen. Yep. Knew that. He had you figured out. He knew it from he the minute I got out. there that I was going to switch in. So, yep. yeah. And that was kind of that. And I mean, it's cliche, but the rest is history. Yep. So, you, so that was your freshman year when that yep. happened. So, you finished your all four years of undergrad doing journalism. Yep. When did you figure out? Did you fi- So, did you know pretty quickly or did it take a little bit for you to figure out that it's what you wanted to do professionally? Like, that is what you wanted to do. Like the whole front office thing was kind of yeah. gone. It was, this is what I'm going to do. Pretty much immediately. I think I even knew heading into the summer, the summer heading into freshman year that I kind of wanted to do that. It was just more of like, I, you know, do I have the path to do that? Yeah. You know, that was the question. But once I was switched into the major, um, I started writing for the student newspaper. I was doing pretty well. Um, I was blogging for, you know, a few decently lot like SB Nation. I was blogging for them. Oh wow, that's cool. I had done a few things for um, a, a Red Sox blog on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, like I'm, I can do this somehow. Yeah, that's you not know? a slouch. So that's, that's, that's yeah, that's pretty impressive. I was like, you know, what's the path here? And then I got an internship with the Daily Hampshire Gazette, a uh, tiny daily paper up in Northampton, for the second semester of my freshman year. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, like the wheels are in motion here. This is tangible. I'm seeing real results. You know, I, I can make this work. So I think off the bat, I knew I wanted to do it professionally, but it was all about just seeing a true path to get there. Yep. No, that makes sense. And I, did you know that sports journal journalism is exactly what you wanted to do, or did you ever, for a second, consider like, oh, investigative reporting school, right. or you know, that whole side of it? Because I remember for me, when I was taking journalism classes and stuff. I was really only interested in the sports, like sports writing classes yeah. I was taking, which like, you know, my like professor would come up to me like, Kurt, like you have to write about something else. <laughs> like you like, you literally can't just write about sports all right. the time. And like, I was like, like I totally see where they're coming from, but right. I was like, okay, I just don't know if this is really for me. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, I did enjoy the investigative reporting that stuff. Was sure. Cool, but it's, a, you, it's really interesting. It but, is. It know. is. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit cause you're kind of in a weird spot right now with yeah. all that. But like, um, yeah, did you know that sports was exactly what you wanted to do, or would you have been willing to potentially start somewhere else and then get into sports? Yeah, or? I definitely would have been willing, but I knew off the bat it was all about sports. I mean, that's what got me into journalism was sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my major at Springfield was literally sports journalism oh, and communication. Oh, we so, didn't have that. Right, we so so they that. really geared it towards sports. The whole school is geared towards sports, more or less, so yeah. it made sense the major was. Um, so that made it easier for me to kind of – you know, pinpoint on that. But even like, we'd have a lot of guest speakers, you know, 
journalists who were pretty well established and a lot, of, a lot of them said the best thing they ever did was cover you know the police beat or local crime because that really helps you develop as a journalist so in the yeah. back of my head i knew yep. you know maybe i should try something else other than just sports but mm-hmm. it never palpitated enough into something i actually did so yeah from day one it, it was sports or or nothing really no that's cool i had no idea that springfield even offered like a sports journalism i think it's like us in oklahoma state or like the only two schools that that have that specific program well that's such like a niche though but like it's i I feel like a lot of like kids are interested in that like people who i've talked to are like oh journalism is cool but like i wouldn't do it if it's not sports right i was surprised when i found out that it's not a more widely offered program because it is very it's so common. Well, I mean, hey, there's you... a plug for Springfield College. If yeah, you see? Sports free ads. Jur- yeah, free ads. Sport, <laughs> sports journalism, Springfield College. So you talked a little bit about some of the internships you had and stuff um, throughout. Sure. But, like, you know, what were some of your absolute favorite ones? Uh, number one was Cape Cod Times after my sophomore year. I covered the Cape Cod Baseball League full-time Whoa. pretty much as a full-time That's an impressive reporter. league. That's a good league. And that was one of those things that, if you want to find out if you can do this, <laughs> you cover 58 straight days of baseball. Shoosh. I mean, that was what it was. Um, and it's funny how I got that internship because I wasn't, I didn't really want to do an internship that summer. I was just coming off an internship. This was your sophomore year? Yeah, summer after sophomore mm-hmm. year. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do an internship. Yep. Um, I was like, I kind of just want to freelance and sort of have my own schedule, but make a little money, get experience. Mm-hmm. And I emailed the sports editor, and I was like, hey, you know, are you guys looking for freelancers this summer? The Cape League. And he was like, we don't really do that, but we are offering an internship. And I was like, okay, I'll get back to you. And then I don't know how this happened, but a week later, he emails me. He goes, congrats, you made it on to the second round of the internship process. And I was Whoa. like, I was like, okay. Sure. And then next thing you know, we're on the phone. I was on spring break in Daytona Beach, and I'm on the phone mm. with him, and Next thing you know, it's an in-person interview, and I, and I get it. So wow. I don't know how, I don't know what act of God made that happen, but it worked. Someone's looking out for you. Someone's um, looking out for you. But yeah, I mean that was a great internship. You know, I was working with high-level athletes, experienced coaches. It's day in, it's day out. It's you know. You, so I'm assuming you were living out there. Yeah. Well, so I'm from South Shore, Massachusetts. So I I Kingston? lived in home Kingston. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I was about a. 40-minute drive from okay. the Cape. Okay, doable. So it was doable. doable. There were some times when you got stuck in Cape traffic and you had to leave two hours early for a game, Yeah, which which definitely sucked. But, um, I mean, that internship was incredibly rewarding. Just taught me a lot about what it's like to be a beat writer full-time, Yeah, working every day, long nights at the park, getting there early for batting practice. Um, yeah, That was big for me, too, because it was really the first time I worked on a heavy deadline. And that yeah. was, like, big for me because – before that, I was a little timid in talking to people, and I was like, ah, you know, a little nervous to have to interview someone. But when you're on that deadline, you kind of, like, black out, go in adrenaline mode. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I have to talk to this person right now. And, like, that helped me kind of get past that as far as being, like, you know, don't be afraid. You just have to talk to this person right now. Yeah. I know what you're t- – I, I kind of feel what you're what you're saying there. Yeah. Not really from a journalism side of things, but, like, the adrenaline rush when it comes to deadlines. Because, yeah. like – for me in grad school, like my stuff is due at midnight, and right. like there are times where I'm gonna leave it till the end, exactly. and then I'm like, you know what? I only have like 34 more minutes to finish right. this paper. Like it's like it's now or never. Right. And so, I think I work better under those circumstances. I feel like I sure. do too. Yeah, Maybe that's 100. Yeah, I'm gonna keep telling myself that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keep like, lying to yourself. Yep, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Um, so for kids who are interested in sports journalism and want to get into the journalism field, 
do you recommend do you highly recommend internships do you feel like that's yeah. like the way to go to get your foot in the door i think that's the only way to go man you know and classes are great if you have good professors you're gonna learn a lot in class mm-hmm. but the only way to get better is by reps i i compare journalism to sports every day it's you know you're not going to get better i mean you can watch all the film you want yep. but if you're not in the gym taking shots if you're not on the field hitting balls if you're not you know, doing whatever, you're just not going to get better. You have to get those physical reps. So whether yep. it's a school newspaper, internships, freelancing, blogging, you just got to get those reps. So internships was the best way to do that. I think I did five internships in college. Wow. Um, and I learned something different in each one. But at the end of the day, it was just more reps, more reps, more experience. Did you find them on your own or did Springfield College help you with any? Or was it mandatory for a class or something? They were mandatory. So we had to do a certain amount of internships. So gotcha. I, I would have had to do them anyways. Okay. But it was definitely the first one I found on my they, – they brought me to was the Daily Hampshire Gazette. We had a pipeline of kids kind of going there yep. for the first internship. Sure. Cape Cod Times I found on my own. Baseball America I found on my own. Um, Mass Live I got my own. So it was kind of like after that it was like, okay, I know how to do this. now. I know how to send an email and meet up yeah. with people and connect. Um, so, yeah, and that kind of – that's a big part of advice I like, give people is like always send that email. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid. Don't – you know, the worst they're going to do is say no. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're getting your name out there. Maybe they remember you. I mean, always send that email to whoever it is. Yep. And don't be afraid to bother them. And know? there's so many people on like social media who yeah. are like, like Twitter specifically, who are like really good about it. Like they, like if you DM people, like I remember I had a like interview with Tommy Curran, who's up at NBC yeah, Sports yeah. Boston. And I like shot him and like, I, I DM'd him and he answered. And yeah. it was like, you know what? Like same thing, like shoot your shot. Like, oh yeah. You never know, you know, how how interested someone's gonna be or whatever. And like I ended up having going up and meeting Tommy Curran uh twice and yeah. we had like fantastic conversations and uh you know, it it really is like, you know, just don't be afraid to do it. Oh I mean that's that's the best way to meet people, that's the best way to get those opportunities is sending that email, making that call, sending yeah. that. I mean, that's why Twitter is so great is because Twitter is great. You have so many people you can just connect with immediately off the bat. Yep. Um and it's funny because people will be like, oh, like, do you use LinkedIn a lot? I don't, like, Twitter is my LinkedIn. Yeah. That's my, my resume is right there. Yeah. I can connect with you right there. And, like, mm-hmm. it, that doesn't work for every job field, obviously. Right. But in journalism specifically, it's a walking resume. Yeah. No, I feel you. I don't use LinkedIn as much as I probably should. It's no. just like, I'm like, Ugh, Yeah. It's yes. just, it doesn't work well for, for, I know, for my field at least. Like, it's, business, it's, sure. Like, yeah. It's, a, it's designed yeah. for business. <laughs> it is designed it for business, like. for sure. So, you know, you and I graduated the same year. What are you, 24? Mm-hmm. 23, 23. 24 in July oh, on the younger side. Yeah, little baby. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but anyway, you're a younger guy in the journalism field. Do you feel like it's kind of like a blessing for you that, like, with journalism kind of being so, like, digitally based mm-hmm. now? Like, you know, I'm not saying print news is dead. I'm not saying that sure, at all. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's not as prolific as it once right, was right. so do you feel like being the younger guy being comfortable with technology has yeah. given you like a leg up as you've kind of entered this field 100 percent um i mean social media has been so huge for my career just in terms of not just getting jobs but using it to market myself using it to get stories out using it as research mm-hmm. um the amount of times now my job where 
it's like i need to find a high school kid to talk to it's like i can dm this kid i can find yep. this kid i can dm this coach you know i can yeah. i can do all these things right from twitter mm-hmm. um that's something that you know the older generations you know some are great at it but some is still just so foreign to yeah for, um, for sure yeah for sure. So, so that gave me a huge leg up um right off the bat um and everything else it's you know i, I picked up photography pretty easily um yeah. you know as a senior in college so that was right off the bat pretty easy i can I'm not great at it, but I can, you know, I can, you know. You're sufficient for sure. Right, right. You know, I'm not amazing at shooting video, but if I need to, I can shoot a video and Mm -hmm. and edit it up. You know, it's little things like that. I got to hang on Photoshop pretty quick. Yeah. Um, You know, things like that, just like because, you know, we grew up with technology Mm -hmm. in this era it's easier to pick things up. I feel like, yeah, it's um, like a certain comfort. Like I, like, right. Yeah. I remember when, like when, even like when I make stupid, like little things to post for like this podcast, like yeah. I use like Photoshop and I'm like, I, this, it's not, I don't, right. I didn't really know anything about it, but right. I, like there are very easy ways to figure it out. And oh it's yeah. Like, of course. I don't know if you're, if you're 40 or 50 or in that demographic, if you're as, you know, keen or able to, cause it's, sure, it's, yeah. some of that stuff is, it's, it's hard. Like, yeah. But like, for us, it's a second language. It really is. Mean? Like, you know, I think my dad still calls like texting, emailing. So it's just like, it's just a different generation. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy. But and it's, and it's funny, like Instagram, uh, that was something, you know, when I got to the Hartford Current, we had a high school sports Instagram. It wasn't really used, had probably a hundred followers. And I was like, man, every high schooler is on Instagram. That is literally, their, that's their thing. That is their main vehicle of social media. They're all on Instagram. I was like, we need to, take advantage of that and within a year we had eight thousand followers dude i know it, 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 took it off. was blowing up and it was just and it wasn't we weren't doing anything crazy it was just like listen this is where the kids are if we post photos of them they're going to share them what is it at ct varsity yep at ct varsity and it's it's simple it's Go just follow you know, it if if we have photos of you the kids are going to share if it's mm-hmm. a poll they're going to share you know if you're they're, they're so right on it you're so no the pe- these kids like share Oh my god! Like yeah. it's it's crazy. Like story Instagram stories are oh, people yeah. sharing, sharing, and more sharing. Of this I mean, stuff. there's times when we'll post a photo or a ranking, and we'll look, and because we have the metrics on it, it'll be like yeah, yeah. this photo was shared 400 times. Yep. And it's like, it's that it spreads like wildfire. It, it's that easy, and that's something that, you know, it, it, as great as the current is with technology and all that and social media, it was something that was just felt like it was underutilized. Yeah. And it was it didn't take a lot of work. It was that easy, but. Again, it's something that maybe a younger person who just is that second nature to them yep. was so easy to pick up. No, Instagram took off, especially that younger demographic. So oh, was, yeah. That it's, was awesome. They're all on it. Because it, it, I didn't really realize that it was how many followers at the beginning when you took over for it? 100, maybe Dude, a little more. That's insane how yeah. quick it spread. And, and again, like it, it wasn't because they were doing anything wrong it, or we weren't doing anything wrong, but yeah. we just weren't posting on it. Yep. All that we did was just start posting on it. And it's like people see those posts on it. Yep. They start following, they start liking, they start commenting. It, it. I tell people all the time, like it really was that easy. There yeah. was no like, I'm I'm not a social media wizard. I'm not trained. <laughs> like guru. I, yeah, I didn't go to school for social media. It was just like, <laughs> you know, if we post, people are gonna follow us. Yep. It was it was that simple. No, that's all. you guys gonna make a TikTok now at this point. I, I've <laughs> really been thinking about that. I know like the Washington Post is a TikTok. Do they actually? Yeah, and it's pretty ridiculous. But wow. I think I would love to. Do wow, that. I kind of made it as a joke, but that'd be kind of fun. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, no, exactly. That'd be funny. Exactly. That'd be funny. Um, all right, so you graduate from Springfield, mm-hmm. and then you ultimately landed at the Hartford Current. Mm-hmm. Was that your first gig out of right out of school? Week after graduation. Wow. Week okay. after graduation, I started there. I got the job. Again, this goes back to my original point. 
probably February, January, my senior year. I didn't really have anything lined up. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to email every sports editor in New England. Wow. And just see what happens. And one person got back to me, my current current editor. And it was all about timing. It wasn't because I was, you know, this outstanding, shining prospect. But he Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, you know, we do have some openings. We've had some people leave. We've had some people go other places. We have some openings right now. You know, let's come in for an interview and go from there. And, you know, I won them over in the interview, but it's like. And that's a great thing, too. Like, you know, I remember when I was applying to jobs, I was applying to like all sorts of different things. Yeah. And like you're you're not going to hear back from, I don't know, probably nine out of ten people. Oh, like, yeah. Probably 100%. worse odds than that. But like you got to do it. You got to do it. And again, I tell people all the time it's all about timing. You know, it really is like I lucked out because the current had openings. But, you know, if I waited a month, maybe they don't. If yep. I came a month too early, maybe they don't. You know, mm-hmm. it's all about timing. So a lot of kids are always like, oh, you know, I'm graduating. I'm a little nervous. You know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to get a job. And I'm just saying, don't don't freak out. Yep. Because it's all, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. It always does. It Jesus. didn't happen for me when I took my job at UConn after graduating from UConn. It didn't officially happen until like June. Right. So I was for a month. Like I didn't know yeah. exactly what was going to happen. So, um, you know, it's, it is. It's all about timing. 100%. So... You've been here now for what, two years? Yeah, my two year anniversary was last week. Wow, happy like, anniversary. Yeah, I was on furlough for it. So. Oh, yep. I don't know if it counts. It's like yeah. a leap year, maybe. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Whatever. But, like, what have you thought about your time working at The Current so far? It's been amazing. It really has. Um, I love the people I work with. You know, we have a great, great, small, but really hardworking sports staff. Yep. Um, I love the people of Connecticut. I love the high school players, the high school coaches. You know, the readers are great. There's a lot of passion there that. You know, I covered high school sports in Massachusetts for a while, and I just wasn't seeing the kind of passion there is here. Yeah, I don't know if that's because you know there's four pro sports teams in Boston, and you know maybe yeah. they just it just I don't know if it's too much. It's oversaturated. Yeah, but in Connecticut, there's just so much passion right off the bat for anything I was doing in the high school sports sector. So I really, you know, I, I couldn't have yeah you know, I think found a better first job. Yeah, well, as someone who's played sports in Connecticut sure. and who's now coached sports in Connecticut. Like, I'm not just saying this to gas you up, but like, since you've come on board at the current, it's been, it's been, I don't know, like rejuvenated, I guess is the word I would use. It's, I it's, appreciate it's that. been very, very, very impressive. Yeah. And I feel like you've had a massive part in, you know, kind of getting the current to where it is. Cause for a while, when I played in high school, it was, it, the current was phenomenal. It was the sure, only yeah. place you went to get, yeah, of course, your, your sports stuff. But now with, you know, there have been other people yep. and organizations that have popped up and, I'm not saying the current fell off, but no, it, yeah. you know, it was like there was a, a little bit of a period there where it was like, okay, not as dominant. Right. As yeah. Yeah. Be. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, since you kind of came on the scene, I feel like it's kind of, like I said, been rejuvenated and it's very, very impressive what you guys are doing there now. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's, it's been, been a lot of fun. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I know that like, you know, from my hometown in Granby, everyone loves you because mm. I don't know what your record was when you showed up <laughs> at games at Granby, but it was. It was freaking absurd. Like, yeah, I, I truly think I've seen two Granby losses of all time. Unfortunately, both the basketball team. Yeah. Once at Mohegan, yes. then once to Canton in this year's uh, NCAA yeah. championship. But I've yep. seen, I think, the woman, the girls' soccer team's undefeated. The field hockey team's undefeated. There was an absurd – you had some absurd records. Yeah, I, the football team was undefeated. Uh, I saw one baseball game. They won that. It was just like, I don't know what it was, but I know going to Granby. I go to Granby a lot because – credit to the town they read it really well they share it really well they get into it on social media yeah and i like i always tell people like i would rather cover 
you know, a smaller town that, you know, maybe isn't a powerhouse in the state, but if they care, I want to be there. Yeah. You know, I could always go to the class double L yeah. dynasty powerhouses, but sure. if no one cares, it's just not exciting for me. No, yeah. Granby is a good little sports town and it's yeah, like, you it's know, very good. Pe- They've had a good run. The people past are years. passionate about yeah. it. Like they are passionate about it, especially, you know, we're not like that class double L right, know, class right. L school. It's, it's on the smaller side and Granby has a, you know, a history of, you know, especially like soccer field hockey sure, yeah basketball starting to get there a little bit like you know very very impressive runs so oh, yeah people are excited when they see me like sean in the stands like okay we're gonna win today yeah and it's like it's it's a good it's a good vibe a so ridiculous record keep coming keep keep coming Plan so on you know we talked a little bit about you know you working on deadline mm-hmm. earlier but like i've seen you time and time again interview players and coaches after games and then you're immediately going to the stands mm-hmm. and you have to start banging out your story yeah so Take me through that process a little bit. Like, have you, do you like try to start a little bit at halftime or are you just like posting stuff on social media at halftime? Mm. Then you're just going to start from scratch at the end of the game. So before I got really into photography and video, I would sit in the stands with my laptop open and I would try and write along as much as I could and have a base written and hopefully just plug in quotes by the end. Mm -hmm. But once I got a camera, who's into shooting photos and tweeting closer video, um, I was like, I, I don't want to be in the stands anymore. I want to be under the basket. I want to be on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I want to be wherever it is. Uh, I think this comes with experience is I'm, I'm comfortable opening my laptop with a half hour until my deadline with nothing written and knowing that I can bang something Ooh. out. Like, I think that's just, that just comes with experience. Yeah, I, that's I, I couldn't impressive. have done that four years ago, but now I just feel comfortable doing that. Because once you cover a lot of games, you know, and, and granted, like, if you read my stories, like, there is a template to it almost. Because yeah, yeah. I know in my head, all right, I know how my lead's going to work. I know what I put my body paragraph. I know how I close my stories. Yep. And that's a big part of it is feeling yeah. that comfortable. Where you put your quotes. Right. But... I have that comfortable go-to template. But, um, again, like I said, it's, it's adrenaline for me. Um, I love being on a tight deadline and, and getting those quotes and talking with those kids and mm-hmm. – you know, bang out that story using my phone as a hotspot and, you know, uploading. I was going to say, how do you get Wi-Fi passwords? Phone's a hotspot. Wow. You know, I'm uploading photos at the same time. I'm, you know, scrolling social media at the same time. Here's a question because I'm, I'm literally just genuinely curious. Sure. When you take those pictures on your actual camera. Yeah. How do you get them onto Twitter? Uh, I don't know if I have it on me right now. I just have an adapter that I plug into my phone, stick the SD card in. Wow. goes right into my photo album. Wow. It's saved my life. Time and time again. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, dude, I don't know how he does it. Like, does he take a picture of his camera screen? I had no idea. It's so- amazing because I, I I don't know if I'm the first person to ever buy one of these because I've had some people be like, I've had like people who work in who work in college sports, actual photographers being like, how are you doing this? I'm like, this isn't like a crazy like yeah. underground. This is at Walmart. Like yeah. it, is, it, it was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, because I'm like, dude, how does he get such good pictures on Instagram? I mean, no, it made, I mean, on Twitter, it made no sense. Right. To me. Yeah, that's cool. Um. So, okay, obviously tight deadlines. You mm-hmm. you work well under pressure. What has been something that's, like, been challenging about the profession? Because I know – I don't know if this happens necessarily in sports journalism, but I've had friends who I graduated with from UConn who have mentioned in the journalism field that, you know, it's not always as glamorous or as easy as yeah. it looks. Like, there's a lot of competition for, like, who's going to get the best story. Sure, yeah. All that stuff. So have you run into anything like that? I mean, not, not – not telling you to throw anyone in the bus sure or yeah, any, yeah like you know is what's been some of the struggles so in terms of competition i love the competition that's yep. what makes me better i tell the guys game time all the time 
and they do incredible work down there. I tell them all the time, I'm only as good as I am because you guys pushed me to that level because you're doing so well, you're doing so much, mm-hmm. and that drives me. I mean, I'm incredibly competitive at games. Again, it's, it's a sport to me. I'm incredibly competitive with other reporters. Yeah. I want to be tweeting stuff quicker. I want to be posting stuff quicker. I want my story up quicker. I want my story to be better. Yep. You know, that drives me. Um, in terms of things that are challenging, this is something that like they don't teach you, but it's very tough having a job that revolves around everyone else's schedule but yours. Mm. Um, I didn't even think of that. Because the amount of times where it's like, okay, like they want this story filed by Friday. It's Wednesday. I need to hope that this person gets back to me and can fill some time for me tomorrow. Wow. I, I hope they email me back. I hope they, you know, call me back. It's a lot of, so much of the job is really waiting around anxiously being like, call me back, call me back, call me back, call me back, because you really are completely dependent on the other person's schedule for a lot of the time. So what happens if, uh, God forbid, like, it, like they don't get back to you? Do you have to change what you're doing it's a lot of changing the story it's a lot of being like okay can we run this next week you know can we save this story can we do the story without that person's voice a Mm -hmm. lot of times i've had to be like man i would love this person's voice in the story but it's four o'clock the story's due at five can't get it we're just gonna have to scrap it that happens more often than not and unfortunately yeah um part of part of the profession yeah there's so many times you're like man if i could just wait another day on this story it would be so much better yeah uh, I don't have that luxury. Yep. Um, so that's probably the toughest part for me, at least, is, you know, not always being in control of of what I'm able to do. And it's so funny. I didn't even think of that. Like, I yeah. was trying to think, like, oh, I wonder what he's going to say for that. I right. did, That's, well, fantastic answer. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be the hardest part for me. I mean, there's plenty of other parts. You know, it's long hours. We're underpaid. You know, yep. I'm writing from a McDonald's a lot of the time. But mm-hmm. you kind of get used to that pretty yep. quick because you can kind of control that. You kind of know what to expect from that. You learn that back in college, but um, when you're doing it day in, day out, that's what wears on you is yep. like the, like I, old journalists, young journalists, people have been doing it for 30 years, people have been doing it for three years are all still destroyed by the, God, I hope this person gets yep. back to me feeling. Well, I remember doing that like for my journalism, like classes that, you know, I have a paper that really didn't matter at sure, school. Yeah. And I, it, you're so, you're so right in the fact that it is reliant on other people. Yeah. And that's. And sometimes they're great and sometimes they're like, not. I hate group projects in school yeah. and stuff. And it's like, cause I'm not, I'm like right. totally type A OCD. Like I fully admit that, but like I can't control it. And it like, and it like skeeves me right. out a little yeah, bit. Of course. So, I mean, credit to you guys for making things work the way you guys do. Um, I feel like I've seen you cover every single sport. Absolutely. What is your favorite sport to cover? Basketball. Basketball. Without a doubt. Um, it's my favorite sport in general. It always mm-hmm. has been. Um, so that off the bat makes it easy. It's a sport I'm comfortable with the most. Mm-hmm. I know every sport, you know, some more than others. You know, I know football really well, baseball really well, soccer to an extent, hockey to an extent, you know. Mm-hmm. But basketball, I'm very comfortable with the ins and outs of the sport. You know, every little play, every little, you know, dynamic in the sport. So it's easy to write about from that sense. Yeah. And it's a sport that you can get the closest to as a reporter. You're the I'm when you come to games at Granby, like you're right, you are right there. Oh, I want to be right under the basket. I want to. You are. I want to be next to the bench. I want to hear everything the coach says, everything the players say. I want to see the look in their eyes when they're going for that free throw. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Man. what I love about it is is you can get so close to it, and it's out of all the sports, it's the one you feel like you're in the game the yep. most. I well, think makes for some good pictures too. Exactly. Have you exactly. ever gotten like? 
someone like fall on you oh plenty of times um <laughs> just, just eat it just take it the amount of times like and it's funny because like i don't know if it's adrenaline or it's in the game but like it, it doesn't even phase me yeah like there's been times where like kids have trucked me like uh jalen hunter who was a guard for east yeah. catholic last year really big kid Stud. like ran into me at hoop hall and like he was like oh my bad sean like dap me up and then yeah. ran back into the game like i've had kids truck me in other reporters like are you okay i'm like yeah, why? What happened? Like, yeah, what, did something happen? Like blacked out. Um, oh yeah, funny. but that—that's just again a hazard of the job. You know what I mean? Yep, that's funny. You do this really cool. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. You do like the Fab 15 piece. Yep. You do. Is that just basketball and football? Basketball, football, and baseball. Baseball. Okay. Yeah. So you like for those of you guys who don't know what the Fab 15 is, it's like Sean has to take the best 15 players from what is it the week before it's like yep. a week yeah i think it's like monday to monday monday to monday okay yeah. and you have to you know form this group of the best of the best and i'm sure there have been some very easy weeks and i'm sure, sure there have been some incredibly challenging weeks yep. to get it to 15 have you ever gotten like crap from people on twitter and stuff about it oh yeah i get it's funny because a lot of the times is like i don't you know i try and pay as much attention as i can i look at max preps all the time i'm on twitter people tag me and stuff yep but you know we cover i don't know 80 high schools i still can't have my eyes everywhere so the amount of times i'll get an email and a lot of times it's not just on me i'll get emails from coaches being like oh was his five touchdowns not good enough and i'll be like well no one told me no one called it in right exactly no one tweeted at me like i I can't have my eyes everywhere but a lot of times like it is tough because it'll be like Oh, how did I miss this kid? Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, I meant to put him in. How did I forget him? Well, I feel like, like, like you just said, it's got to be so challenging because so many of these schools. Well, first off, max preps can either be spot on or it can be terribly <laughs> yes, wrong. Yes, max preps can be incredibly, incredibly inaccurate, and um, that was like the whole reason I started the Granby football Twitter page like yeah. five years ago and the Granby basketball Twitter page a couple years ago because I was like. If these guys want any recognition, because at the right. time it was like it, it was hard to get. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. Let's just do something to tweet their names out. Yeah. But I feel like that's so important to get oh, people like yeah. you to be like, oh man, like you know, this it's person massive. had four touchdowns again. Like, yeah, like, it's massive. No. And so. I tell coaches all the time and players like, I'll have some coaches who like don't feel comfortable texting me about their players' performance because they they don't want to feel like they're like bragging. I'm like, yeah. no, no. I don't care. Yeah. Like, if you don't boast about your player's performance, I'm not going to see it. Yep. Unless I was at the game or you put it on max preps. Like, that's just the reality. And, like, I have some players who will straight up DM me their stats from the week and be like, Fat 15. I'll be like, yes, thank you. Yep. Like, I, I don't think – I appreciate it. If anything, it. I like them more because of that because, yeah. like, you're making my job so much easier. Like, that's the one thing I tell coaches, whether it's Fat 15 or all current or preseason stuff, like – don't be shy. Like, don't feel like, you know, I get coaches love that whole, like, you know, you know, we, not I mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get that. That's great. But like, I, I can make the recognition work too. Right. And well, you're so good about it. I feel like at the beginning of every season, you're like, well, you know, who should I be on the look for this season? Right. Like, my DMs are open. Exactly. Like, you make it very, very yeah, obvious. Yeah. Like, please reach out. Oh, yeah. I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. So, I don't know. The Fab 15 is awesome, but I, I figured there was. I didn't really take into account. I didn't realize you guys covered 80 high schools. Yeah, it's 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 amazing because we cover so many, but it's not even like half the state. It feels like right, and you, and you like you can't have your eyes everywhere. This yeah. is the nature of the beast. Um, so I, another thing which I find so so cool that you do, and I don't know if this was like your call or mm-hmm. someone at the current's call, you 
put up like Twitter polls. Yeah. About like, hey guys, like in basketball season, mm-hmm. here are four games tomorrow. Like, what game should I go to? Yeah. And then like, those things get hot. We get like three thousand, four thousand yeah. votes. On like, those. it's not like you know, eighteen people vote. Yeah, like, yeah. Serious people come out, and I don't yeah. know if that goes back to your point about people in Connecticut just like being passionate yeah. about the sports, but like. I think it's so cool the way you interact with people on social yeah. media because, like, it gives a voice to, yeah. like, people. Like, if, if you want to go to the Farmington-Simsbury game, like, right. all those fans are going to come out and, like, make sure you're there. Exactly. And that's a big – goes back to my original point. I want to be where I'm wanted. I want to be where there's excitement, where people will read, where people will be excited that that game is having coverage. I think that was – we first did that last playoffs – I think my editor, Dan Brecklin, might have suggested it. Mm-hmm. I think I was kind of torn between it might have been like Prince Tech versus Farmington and yep. then another game. And I was like, oh, I don't know. They're both really good games. Like, I've seen all these teams. Like, I don't know. He's like, I just do a Twitter poll. And like, whoever wins, wins. I've done that a few times now because a lot of times it's usually, you know, okay, I've seen all eight of these teams. Yep. These are all pretty good games. Yep. I just don't really – feel more compelled one way or another let's just see where they want me to go and it's no it's it's been cool like it's really cool i think that's fantastic and i feel like i hadn't really seen that yeah until you kind of came onto the scene so highly recommend it it was it's awesome that you keep doing that um do you feel like it helps you like really engage with fans all across the state because i feel like i feel like i mentioned the name sean mcfarland and everyone like knows who i'm talking about yeah i feel like it's not like a oh like who is that like they'll like they know Right, yeah. Are. That's been a big part of social media, I think, too, is is these videos, these photos, everything spreads pretty quickly. And, you know, the Hartford Cup, we don't cover everything, but we still are the biggest paper in the state. So I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, and just, you know, you know, we do luckily have a lot of good teams up here. In basketball season, we have East Catholic and Windsor in football. We have yep. Bloomfield and Hand and, yep. and Southington. So Absolutely. there are so many premier teams in this region. Mm-hmm. Um which makes things easy as far as spreading it across the state. Yep. And I know like, so this is, this is a, something I've been very eager to talk to you about. Sure. This past football season, you wrote a story and you got video of a game Yep. that had not only people in Connecticut, but people all over the country in goosebumps. So you covered the class double L state championship game mm-hmm. again with Darien versus Newtown on the seven year anniversary of the Sandy Hook shooting. Yep. And Newtown wins that game on a walk-off touchdown, 13-7. to But not only do they win that game, like you get video of the game-winning touchdown. It went viral. Super viral. It's like super viral. Like, what was it like for not only be there, like to be there, but to also have that video and then write that story? Yeah. The funny thing is I had no interest in being in that game. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be at hand versus St. Joseph. That was built as the best game of the year. We don't even cover Newtown or Darien, Mm -hmm. but because of the circumstances, I was like, well, I'll hang around here. I was already there for Sheehan Bloomfield. Mm -hmm. It was a disgusting day. It was so foggy. It was rainy. I was just wet and cold and I've been on my feet all day. The game itself, you know, it was seven nothing for like three quarters. Kind of boring. It was a very boring game. You couldn't even see the opposite side of the field. So it was like that foggy. It was that foggy where Ugh. I was like, I don't even know what's going on here. Like it's it was so tough in that sense. Um, 
but Newtown ties it up late and then eventually wins on that walk-off touchdown, which, I mean, is still the most incredible play I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was one of those plays where they win, they walk it off, they're celebrating, and it's myself, uh, Pete Paguaga from Game Time, yep. a few other reporters, and we're just kind of standing there like like frozen in shock like it's emotional it's like yeah, what did we like, witness it was like what just happened like you don't know how to process it like at that point i wasn't even thinking about writing the story i i had right. all i was thinking was get the video to my phone right now and tweet it out because i knew there was eight other people there with video cameras yeah. like get it out get it out get it yep. out get it out because you I've, did you did you have a feeling it could be something big like the video oh yeah i didn't think it would be as big as it was <laughs> it got big big but i think it would be i figured it would be like this will be the biggest sports story in connecticut this year like yeah. this is going to be really big but i didn't think it would be espn cnn big you know what i mean like it was yeah yeah do you know how many like uh, this is just throwing it out there how many people like viewed that video do you know the exact number so on my tweet itself it's over a million but <laughs> oh my God. but espn and bleacher import embedded the two into their tweets right. and they all each had like five million on theirs dude too. so and then you had it it was on espn it was on i CNN. remember that i remember i texted you i'm like is this gonna go viral and like yeah. it went it went yeah it went viral i remember so i tweeted the video i filed my story from the parking lot i tried to stay off social media while i was writing just to focus yep and I drove back from Trumbull to Hartford about an hour drive. And I wasn't looking at my phone. My Apple Watch was just vibrating every second yep. of the drive. And I'm like, don't look. Don't, like, it's a rainy night. Don't look at your phone. This would be yep. a horrible end of the night if you yep. crash your car. Yep. Would like, be just great. Focus, just drive. Wow. And I got home. Like, the tweet already had over a thousand favorites, a thousand retreats. Like, so many, you know, Bleacher Report had already tweeted it. ESPN had it. I just remember when I saw it, when I saw your tweet, I was like, like, no way. Yeah. Like, no yeah. way. It, yeah, it was one of those things where, I, again, I sat down to write my story, and I was like, I don't even know what to write. Yeah, where do, yeah. how do you... I'm how like, do you how do I do the, this justice? Yeah. How do I explain how insane this was? Because yeah. it was, like, unlike anything you've yeah, ever how seen. how do I put like, it into words? Like, how yeah, do I put exactly, what I just witnessed? Exactly. And the emotions of what I just saw into words. Um, yeah. So I, I've reread the story like a million times since then, obviously. And yeah. like, I, I'm happy with how it went. It's one of those stories where I'm sure I, in a thousand different scenarios, I would, I would have written a thousand different stories. Yep. Um, That's the beauty of journalism. Yeah, man. exactly. Isn't it? It really is. Um, But yeah, it, it was insane. The next day was insane. The day after was insane. Um, It was just, I mean, that whole sequence of events was unbelievable. Yeah. It was unlike anything I've ever been a part I'm of. I'm going to go ahead and assume that that is your favorite story you've ever like reported on? yeah definitely favorite moment i've ever reported yeah. on at least okay so um, take me through you know round out your top three sure. moments at the current yeah um well it doesn't have to be the current yeah mean, whatever think um definitely on the spot story did on scott katie the tallen coach who recently yes. passed away um phenomenal story um, amazing guy yeah one of the most amazing people i've ever gotten to meet and report on and talk to I mean, facing, you know, certain death to a point with the yeah. diagnosis he had and just the outlook he had on life and coaching and the way his players were there for him. It was amazing. It was one of those stories that, you know, um, I say there's some stories that anyone can make interesting. I think that's one of those stories where yep. that's a story that's going to be anyone can turn that into a gripping story because that's the type of guy Scott Katie was. Yep. Um, you know, that was a good one. I really enjoyed talking to Jimmy Murphy from Avon. Yep. 
um, who, you know, after he bounced around to a few colleges, walked on to the University of Miami, um, short, undersized kid, you know, was a wrestler in high school, and, you know, goes on to become a captain of Miami, goes viral a few times because of some crazy touchdown dances. Yeah. And that was a really fun story because he was a really fun guy to talk to. Um, but that was one of the stories that had been sitting there for like two years for anyone to do. Mm-hmm. And one day I was like, wait, why has no one done this story? Like, uh, let me do this story. Let me. Let me tell you a little bit about Jimmy Murphy. Okay. So when Granby football first started was like my freshman year in 2010 yeah. and 11. We played Avon in like 10, 11. And I think, no, we, we might have played them all four of my years. I don't hmm. remember. But Jimmy Murphy and I played against each other. Okay, yeah. And Jimmy Murphy, like you said, was his undersized. We yeah. called him like a little like muscle hamster. Yeah. He was just like ripped. And he was so fast. And oh, he played yeah. defensive end. And I played quarterback. And he sent me to the hospital <laughs> twice. Oh, my God. He can't. He, this kid's <laughs> bend around the edge was like the craziest thing I've ever oh seen. Oh, my God. And he was just so quick. Yeah. I mean, and I, he lit me up twice and i had no idea he was yeah. coming both times oh my God. the kid was an unbelievable football player oh yeah so like i mean to see where he went ended up going was yeah. it was really really cool to see oh yeah did he did he start at uconn or something did he play ever uconn or is he not no there? he never played at uconn he also god what other school did he go to I didn't, I didn't know if it was UConn. Yeah, a few other schools. He might have bounced around to central too yep. but he really bounced around to three or four schools mm-hmm. before landing on miami um, a really cool story of like, you know, he said he, you know, camped out in front of the Miami special team coach's office. I believe met it. Met him at the door the next day and said, like, give me a chance. Like, it's your true, like, yeah. underdog story. Yeah. Um, I'd give him a I mean, that kid, that kid's motor. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Whew. And, like, just a really respectful kid in high school, too. Like, like I told you, he let me up. And it, he, he, like, the hospital trips were one thing, but he was sacking me like the entire game. Yeah, we, yeah. And we sucked. We were so bad, and yeah. they were so good. And he was just such a good sport about it. Oh yeah. Like, I was probably like forty-two to nothing both times, and yeah. he just was like a genuinely good dude. Sure, yeah. A genuinely good dude. So, you know, I've you've written so many good stories. So I don't know. Just that's that's tough to put your top three together. Yeah, there's there's a few of them. I, mean, I really enjoyed started last year uh, with my colleague Alex Putterman on the public to prep transfer kind of situation happening which is yep. a big thing in connecticut mm-hmm. that people love to debate about is yep. you know public school football and basketball players going prep yep um and that was a really a cool story to dig into and kind of tell both sides talk with players talk with coaches um that i think was a really hot topic at the time that was just really just fun to dig into yeah um you know i, I liked one of those stories of finding the trend and kind of digging into it mm-hmm. and that one really kind of fit the bill for sure so obviously uh things have been a little bit different Mm -hmm. for you over the last couple months and for sports journalists all over the country because there have been no sports oh yeah so when what was the last thing you did sports wise the cic protest outside of their building the day after they canceled the winter season okay so that's what early march march early march 13th okay so early to mid march so yeah and the, we talked about this a little bit. I don't, I don't remember what episode it was of this podcast, but when the CIAC made the decision to cancel the winter tournament, they were kind of out in front of oh, yeah. a lot of other. I remember it was them in the Ivy League, I yeah. think, were the two first people in the country to do it. And people were like, I mean, even myself, again, we didn't know the severity of sure. the issue, but we were like, what is going on? I like, remember thinking the same thing. I was like, this feels rushed. I don't yeah. know. Like, they might look like idiots after this. And of course, they went on to look very smart brilliant, after the whole brilliant. thing. Yep. 
Um, but at the time, you know, they were the first high school organization to do that. I think the Ivy League had canceled their postseason, and that was it. And it was like, oh, man, like this feels yeah. like a very hasty decision. But but credit to Glenn Longarini and the entire CIAC. Cause yeah, they, they got it right. Yeah, they got it right. So it's been now two and a half months Yep. since you did anything like sports-related like, yeah. or covering anything, I mean, sports-related. Yeah. So – what have you been up to as a, as a journalist? What have you been What have you been doing? Yeah, so I've been uh, cover. I've been they transitioned me to the news team at the current. I've been covering uh, unemployment, which is at its highest rate since the Great Depression. So yeah, really, no, not great. Uh, no not easy. Great. No easy way to get into that. Nope. Um, covering small businesses, kind of making their way through this. The restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the economy in general. Uh, you know, today I was out at barbershops cause they just opened up. Yep. I covered a, a protest yesterday in New Haven, uh, in retaliation of the George Floyd killing yep. out in Minneapolis. So it's really been a, a two months of like, here's what it's like to be a hard news writer. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, we were talking earlier about like, you know, you, you knew sports journalism yeah. was a thing. Well, you're getting your real taste. Of yeah. And, everything and I else. couldn't, it's been really fulfilling, uh, to have this impact and be able to have this opportunity to help out the community yep in a time when they really need it um but it wasn't something i ever expected to be doing right um you know i i really thought i'd be on it for a few days i'd do some yep. minor stuff yep. you know i'd help out where i could but really i would just be you know a backup guy but yep. i mean i was the head guy for unemployment and, and at the time when i started doing it we didn't know right it would be the biggest unemployment crisis in right. since the great depression right but it became that so it was you know, it was really nice to have that opportunity to, to cover that and give people answers when they needed it most do you feel like in a way in like a weird twisted convoluted way this will almost be like a nice little reset for you in terms of like you can like going back to sports journalism will be like almost like refreshing yeah yeah definitely in a way um, that makes sense because it, it does get busy in the high school sports winter season and you can yeah. kind of get bogged down and get stressed out and kind of forget you know why you loved it in the first place at times you know mm-hmm. that's very rare but you know yeah. it does kind of wear on you at times so i'm looking forward to kind of heading in clean slate you know i haven't covered sports let's say it comes back in we'll say september yeah fingers crossed it'll have been god i don't know six seven months since i covered sports so it'll be a nice fresh plate and i'll be you know just like everyone else super excited to get back to it yeah we were we were just having a discussion before we hopped on here about like we have nobody knows (laughs) what's gonna happen in terms of when sports come back from a you know high school setting to a college setting and you you know we've heard rumblings about professional sports Mm -hmm. like obviously the nhl came out with you know their 24 team playoff thing and you know the nba is shooting for uh july 31st or something yeah somewhere around there but like nobody knows no one knows and it's just it's just such uh it's weird unprecedented times that nobody has ever like there's no playbook for this yeah there is none like no one knows exactly for anybody for anybody in sports for anybody in the business world there's no playbook for this and i feel like it's got to be so weird as like a sports journalist to just not know I just having no idea. But like, I mean, luckily, like you know, you guys are good enough at your jobs that you're able to, to to transition into talking about news. Right. About, yeah. It's all it's all the same principles of journalism. Uh, yep. The numbers change, the names change, the the theme changes, but you know, the same principle is to tell people stories and to give people the news they need. You know, it and it's very different reporting on a Granby basketball game yes. to a national unemployment crisis, but the same principles that work there work here. Yep. Absolutely. And I, well, you guys do a fantastic job of it for sure. Um, 
Last question. Okay. And I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. What is the dream job? Ooh, the dream job. Like the dream job. Like you can't get any better. I've bounced around from the dream job probably a billion times Mm -hmm. um, since I've gotten into this field. Yep. It used to be I wanted to cover baseball for Sports Illustrated. It Mm -hmm. used to be I wanted to cover the Celtics for the Boston Globe. Yep. Um, A a few dream jobs. I would love to cover high school sports on on a national level. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that would be really cool. There's so many good high school sports athletes out in this country. It's amazing. So many incredible stories out there. I would love to do that on a national level. Yep. Um, I've always liked – I loved the state of North Carolina. I would love to do anything down there. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to move there. Yep. I think that would be really cool. Um, and going back to Boston, doing something there, whether it's pro sports, um, you know, that's, that's my home and it'd be amazing to cover sports back in that city. Um, and I feel like journalists, like, like I talk about the dream job. It's like you, I feel like journalists bounce around. It's not just like you, sometimes you see it. Sure. But you don't often see someone who's like, you know, worked at the same place for 40 years. It's It's even now, especially it's less now. Exactly. And you have people who get a start here for three years and then you're on somewhere else for five and then so on and so forth. It's very funny, though, because my dream job, like there was a point last year where I was like, maybe this is my dream job. I just want to be the guy for 40 years for the Hartford Current. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it changes every week, it feels like. You're influenced by so many things. But that's what I love about this field is there are so many opportunities, you know. There's yep. so many different outlets and so many different themes in sports to cover. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows if I cover news for another six months, maybe that changes what I want to do too, you know? Maybe, yep. Um, that's what I love about it. Well, again, whatever you do, I'm sure you'll be wildly successful. Appreciate um, it, man. Yeah, no problem. And I, I'm i out of questions. That's it. So I, We covered I, a lot. We did. We really we, got we a lot. We chatted of, for a while, yeah. so that was good. Um, I, I, I seriously appreciate you coming on. I, I wish you nothing but the best and I hope for your sake and for everyone's sake things kind of go back to a little bit yeah. towards normal um so we can two of us, man. so we can get back to reading Sean's you know stuff about sports can't wait but all right man appreciate it appreciate you all right guys once again a huge thank you to Sean McFarland for hopping on this week's episode The dude is an absolute beast, and if you don't follow him on social media, you are doing yourself no favors. Give him a follow on Twitter at McFarland underscore Sean, and then like we talked about in the podcast, uh, go over to Instagram and follow him on the Currents page, which is CT Varsity. But before I end this podcast, I want to talk for a second about everything that's been going on in our country right now. I had been going back and forth on whether or not I wanted to say something about this on here, because... I was afraid, and I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to interpret what I wanted to say correctly or feared that it wouldn't be good enough or worthy or whatever, but then something struck a chord with me that I can't just sit here and stay silent after another senseless incident like this, and I want to start by saying that my heart goes out to Floyd, George Floyd, and the family, and all the other families who have lost someone just like this tragedy. George Floyd didn't just die on the streets of Minneapolis on May 25th. He was murdered. He begged and he pleaded for his life and he was murdered in cold blood by a white police officer. Derek Chauvin, Floyd's killer, had countless complaints in the past during his time as an officer in Minnesota. And what makes my skin absolutely crawl is that he was still allowed to wear the badge. 
of the 800,000 plus members of our law enforcement in this country, I am one hundred. I am so comfortable saying that 99% of them wear the badge with honor and dignity to defend people of all races, all ethnicities, our communities, and our country. And I know personally so many police officers who are some of the greatest men and women that I will ever have the privilege of knowing. But the sad part is, even if 99% of those officers are courageously putting on that uniform for the right reasons every day, that still leaves 1%. That 1% of the 800,000 is over 8,000 officers. That's 8,000 too many as far as I'm concerned. Those are the people like Chauvin and the other three cowardly officers who just sat there and watched Floyd die senselessly that day. There is no room for that in our law enforcement. And I hope and I pray that people stop saying that every police officer is bad because that is not the case. It's not even close. Police officers all over the country were outraged at Floyd's death, at Floyd's murder, rather, when they saw the video of it. And some officers who spoke up recording their own videos and posting it onto social media or breaking down in tears when they were recording. With that being said, though, the 1% of those bad officers have caused more harm and more pain than ever imaginable. And every single protester is correct that something needs to change. Not the next time, not the next time a black male or female loses a life like this right now. I'm a 24-year-old, six-foot-five male from a small town in rural New England. I will never know the hardships and the struggles that black males and females encounter on a daily basis. But what I do know is that when there is this much anger and there is this much passion and resilience from them to stand up for basic human rights, basic human rights, that it's time for me as a white person to step in and help. If I can, it's not time to just sit back. So many of the protest videos that I've, you know, seen on, on Instagram and on Twitter, especially after Floyd's murder were peaceful and incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful displays that the justice system has failed black men and women time and time again. Quite simply to me, they were, um, they were moving. But what breaks my heart is that the small groups of disgusting, immoral, dishonorable, and corrupt human beings who ransacked this movement by deciding it was a good idea to burn houses and businesses to the ground have taken the attention away from what everyone is fighting for. They're ruining people's livelihoods and businesses that they spent years building, and it breaks my heart. The truth to all of it is it's not even the people protesting peacefully who are doing the looting. It's these despicable outside organizations who come in and just start chaos, which just escalates the scene, and that's when everything goes to shit. It's not the people, the people who are protesting peacefully and fighting for what is right. It's these other people who come in and just cause chaos. That is no way to defend George Floyd's legacy his family even said so themselves. I am so fortunate to have two parents and a community that raised me the right way. Treating everybody with respect and love is something that I, was instilled in me at a very, very young age. 
I am so fortunate that I played sports my whole life and have coached sports since my playing days ended. I was exposed at a very young age to people of all races and ethnicities, and thanks to sports, I feel like I'm a much, a much better man because of it. I've had white teammates that I love and white teammates I didn't care for as much. I've had black teammates that I love and black teammates that I didn't care for as much. In sports, it doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're purple, or if you're orange. You are brothers and you are sisters. And that's it. I learned that at a very young age, but unfortunately, that is not the case for everyone. That is not the case everywhere. The last thing that I want to say, because I don't want to preach at you, I am not the person who needs to be preaching at you, is... The Blackout Tuesday posts and the Tag 10 People Challenge for Black Lives Matter on social media is a good start, but it's not enough. Educate yourself to make sure that you knew you know what's going on. The stuff on social media doesn't mean you can post it, feel good about yourself, sit back and relax and say you're done. It, it's not enough. Donate if you can. I researched different options this morning, and I donated to Black Visions Collective, which is a social justice group which aims to develop Minnesota's emerging black leadership to lead powerful campaigns in the future. And I am not saying this so you can praise me or say that I'm some sort of hero because it's not what this is. I felt like I needed to help, so I took a small step in doing so. But we all need to keep taking those steps together and united as one. Make sure you're reading, make sure you're watching, and most of all, make sure you're listening. Our brothers and sisters are pleading for help, and now it's our turn to listen. I'll catch you next time on Playing the Field.